Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What is up, I Do Podcast listeners? Thanks for joining us today. 
Thank you for being here with us on this whatever day it is that you're listening. (laughs) It is another beautiful day here in Costa Rica, and we just got done with a great chat with Jessa Zimmerman. And Jessa is a licensed sex therapist whose work focuses on helping couples who have a good relationship but want to have better sex. And she is also the host of the Better Sex podcast and will be releasing her first book on, guess what topic? Sex later (laughs) this year. And she has a lot of great stuff for us today. We talk about the five areas that can be pitfalls when it comes to your sex life. And if you are human and in a relationship, there's a pretty good chance that you are going to encounter one, if not all of these areas. And it's just really important to, to listen to the tips that she gives, but then to realize that just by listening things aren't going to fix themselves. And so like a lot of the stuff on this podcast, it's great that you're getting the information, but really make the effort, try to implement at least one tip from these episodes. I know even Sarah and I, you know, we say it all the time. We're not perfect. We are busy. We are parents. And we in 2018 want to do a better job of actually taking the advice it's like what the what's the saying like if you took your own advice you know like take your own advice oftentimes and and so but actually doing it so so uh take these tips and and just use one of them and uh who doesn't want to have a better sex life too so yeah and we'll we'll give you a little preview of what these five uh pitfalls are just so that you you know what to expect and the first one is avoidance then distraction neglect, desire, and negativity. So if you can relate to one of those, like Chase said, or maybe even all of them, then you're definitely going to relate to and benefit from listening to this episode with Jessa. Yeah. And as always, we really appreciate you guys listening, subscribing to the show, leaving us those five-star reviews, sending us emails, letting us know that uh, the, the guests are, are really helping you in your relationship. It's always awesome to hear that. And we love getting topic ideas from you too. Like so many of these episodes that we've released recently have been because you guys have emailed us and said, Hey, I'm having this problem in my relationship. Can you please do an episode on it? So yes, absolutely. Send us your topic ideas. We love to hear it. And we love to give you guys information that you guys are going to actually be able to use to help your relationship. And you might have noticed we haven't been doing the lasting love round. We kind of just phased that out. Uh, we we had it in there in the beginning and then we didn't really, we just kind of did it automatically. And I, I thought that the conversations flowed a little bit better when without those questions, but I don't know. Give us your feedback. If, if you, if you liked the lasting love round or maybe you liked one of the questions from the lasting love round. Um, and, and maybe we just, tweak it and and yeah. or maybe uh, we ask the guests you know to email us that and we just have it on the show notes for you guys and we just don't do it in the show or i don't know we have we'll options figure it out. <laughs> anyways so you may have noticed that all you hardcore i do podcast listeners out there <laughs> all right guys well as always we really appreciate it and enjoy today's show enjoy the show guys Jessa, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. 
All right, Jessa, we've given our audience a little overview, told them about your work as a licensed sex therapist. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. I am a couples counselor and a sex therapist, and I have a private practice in Seattle. Um, and I've been doing this for almost eight years, I guess, at this point. And I am really passionate about helping people with their relationships and specifically about sex. Um, because I think it's so fundamental to our connection with our partner. And it's an area where, where I can really help people. So that feels really good. Yeah, it's definitely an area that any couple is going to, well, I mean, maybe there's a few of you out there who never had a problem, but it'd be hard, hard to believe that there isn't couples out there, pretty much all of us experiencing problems at some point, you know, it's all good in the beginning of a relationship when the the passion is hot, everything is new and exciting, but then reality sets in, you know each other, you know what goes on in the bedroom. So there are all these things and it, it can take work to, to keep the sex good in a relationship. So today we want to talk about and focus in on the common pitfalls and then we could talk about how to fix them and how to avoid them when it comes to a decrease in the quality or your satisfaction with your sex life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would agree with you that I think people that haven't had problems, it's sort of a not yet <laughs> yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some sort of struggle or difficulty or challenge is going to come up if you're together long enough. Or, or you can just have a kid, and then you'll realize there's no time. Right, right. It's, right. Some and, of this stuff is else. just normal life stuff, right? Like get to know, like you were saying, get to know each other better. The magic kind of wears off. You have children, you know. But then there's aging and disease, and you know, other kinds of trauma or or crises that happen too. So, so the the pitfalls that I was going to sort of talk about um, are more, you know, not the crises or the life events, but the kinds of traps people fall into you know, just in their relationship and how they're dealing with their sex life. And I've, I've kind of taken these, um, these five themes that I see in practice with my clients. Uh, it doesn't cover everything, but there's sort of five basic ways I see couples get into trouble. And I guess, I guess I'll list them each and then we could talk about each one separately. That might make the most sense. Perfect. Yeah, um, so, so the five different areas that one is avoidance, right? So people end up avoiding either having sex or talking about sex, you know, or, or investing in their, their sexual relationship. Um, one is distraction is how I labeled it. So an inability, a difficulty sort of shifting gears or being present. Uh, one is neglect or complacency, which is just not paying attention uh, to that aspect of the relationship. Um, one is desire problems, uh, lack of passion or boredom kind of thing. And then the last one really is sort of negativity, which can get as far even as hostility. And that's more of a relationship issue, I think. But it, that can be a trap for couples too. I'm sure these things are resonating with our listeners. Probably one of them, if not all of them. That, <laughs> right, right. That right. One, if not all, right? Or a little dabbles of each one. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're common, right? These are, And we can always improve. Like, even if you think you're kind of good in one area, there's room for improvement. So why don't we start with avoidance in, in how can we talk about sex? Yeah. So, you know, some of the signs that, that you're struggling with avoidance in your relationship is 
um, well, it's probably kind of obvious, but people that stop going to bed at the same time, right? Or somebody, they're not talking about sex at all, or one person tries to bring up the conversation about sex, but the other one is able to, you know, divert or deflect it or something like that. Um, it, it's also important to be looking like, are, you know, are you having any sort of sexual problem or concern that then results in avoidance? Because it's pretty typical if a couple's having, you know, a sexual dysfunction or some other way that they're feeling disappointed that avoidance is going to set in, right? So those are those are some of the signs that, that a couple's gotten to a place of avoiding their sex life instead of tackling it head on. And how can someone, one partner is probably feeling the effects of avoidance uh, in, in a situation and they need to bring it up. They need to bring up the topic. How can they, what, what's the best way to communicate around that? Um, well, if it is one sometimes it's one person that's kind of avoiding and it's hard to pin down, right? And I know you just had an episode about communicating about sex. So a lot of those tips were good, um, but it is about uh, being persistent enough. And I think approaching your partner with, hey, we're having these issues and, and I want to talk about this because I want our relationship to be as good as it can possibly be. So hopefully coming at it with a positive goal makes it easier to address. Other times, though, both people are avoiding it, right? So they've gotten into sort of a whole dance around it, and, and they both, it's like the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> Sex is there. They're both avoiding it. They're both having a hard time talking about it. And then it's going to take one of them having, I, I guess I'd say, the courage, you know, to speak up and name it and say, you know, we're dancing around this, and, and I want more for us than this. This is kind of a, a theme that, that I feel like could be affecting all of these areas. Um, but how, particularly in the United States and Western culture, we're very sex negative. Like it's taboo to talk about sex. Obviously you're not going to bring it up at your friend's dinner party, like unless you're really good friends, whatever, (laughs) but, but like even within the relationship and, and that there's, and we've talked about this on the show before. So I, I feel like that that's such a thing that, if you grew up in the United States, then you are t- taught to to not really be open about talking about sex and, and with your parents, maybe in the beginning, like the sex talk. It's like such a big thing. And I imagine uh, yeah. like in France, it's probably like, you know, like laissez-faire and, and, and easy and, and it doesn't have all this baggage tied to it. And I feel like even in our adult relationships, we bring it in that it's hard to talk about what you like, what you don't like. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm frustrated with this in the bedroom. Just having that talk uh, can be hard to even bring up. Oh, you are so right. I mean, it is hard because we're raised, you know, some of us anyway are raised where we've never had a conversation about sex. You know, maybe we've gone through all of our sexual experiences without ever communicating with our partner, you know, so we're just fumbling around or figuring it out. Um, and it's hard enough to talk about it in, in positive ways, but then it gets, you know, especially difficult to talk about it when you're having a problem. Right. Like something's even wrong because we feel like, oh, sex is supposed to be easy. It should be natural. We don't need to talk about it. And and so, you know, by the time I see people in therapy, well, first of all, they've decided to talk about it. But usually one or both of them already feels broken. You know, like this, there's something really wrong if we're struggling with this. So it does. It makes it really difficult to bring up. And I have a lot of compassion for how hard that is if you don't know how to talk about sex and it's so uncomfortable and. 
and I think that's why people can go avoiding it for so long. You know, how do I even bring this up? It's such a scary topic. And, for people, and I, that's, I guess, why I said it, it takes some courage, right, to be the one to say, wait a minute, I, re- I want more than this. I, we're struggling. I think we could be better. I want us to have the best relationship we can have. For those who may have just kind of connected with the, the thought or the idea that Chase said about not being raised to talk about your emotions when it comes to sex, how would you kind of challenge those listeners to think about that and kind of examine why they perceive sex or love in that way? And maybe do you have any tools for them to kind of self-examine themselves and and then maybe even talk about it with their partner or explain like, hey, this is why I'm not sexual in this way because of this? Or do you have any advice uh, in that area? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, let's see. I'm actually writing a book that's coming out this fall about this exact thing for couples who avoid sex and how to talk about it and how to look at their history. So I'm trying to distill in my mind as as you ask the question, what are the like talking points for that? But it can be really helpful to examine your family history and your background. You know, how did your family deal with difficult topics, not just sex, right? How do they deal with conflict? How do they deal with talking about emotion? What did you learn as a survival mechanism almost? Um, or just a cultural adaptation to your family in terms of how you deal with openness and, and these harder topics. And then to, you know, have that conversation maybe with your partner first. You know, before we talk about our actual sex life, let's talk about our family backgrounds. Let's talk about what we learned about conflict and conversation. What did we each learn about sex back then? Before we make it more personal to, you know, how's it going between you and I right now? You know, and then, then there's the idea of sharing maybe your sexual history and your past relationships. Uh, sometimes that's a struggle for people, but that's also a place where we've learned things about how to talk, you know, and how to be. Um, and having that conversation as sort of an icebreaker is still, you know, one step away from let's talk about our sex life, you and me. Like so many things we talk about, whether it's sex or communication or or any issue in a relationship, a lot of times if we look back at our upbringing, our, how our family dealt with particular issues, like you said, we can discover, oh, you know, like this is why it was, I couldn't talk about sex with, with my mom or dad, or they never even talked to me about it. And so of course you're going to bring that into, into your adult relationship. So it's definitely valuable to do that. And if anyone wants to get a whole episode on communication tips, uh, for a better sex life, then go back to our January 24th episode where, where we talk about, uh, for, for the whole show, but this is certainly a little bit different stuff uh, and, and valuable. So, uh, why don't we talk about the second point, which is one that I know is just going to become increasingly difficult in relationships and that is distraction. Yeah. So distraction, we have our sort of baseline difficulty, maybe shifting gears from work or the kids, right? Into our, into our intimate relationship. And we have, you know, you've probably heard the expression, people that are all up in their head, right? Not in their body. So that's, that's another symptom, right? It's hard to just be present. Um, but then there's some other things that we can get distracted by, which are like worries about how sex is going or worries about our own body or worries that we don't know what we're doing. You know, so those kinds of things can also really distract us from being present. 
uh, and available to our partner in a sexual encounter. So it's sort of important to be looking at, you know, how, how well do I relax and show up? And then what other kinds of worries might be consuming my mind, my bandwidth? And, and not to mention, so you, kids work, but then you, you add in our little friend, the cell phone, the smartphone that is always there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, that alone can can bring so much attention away from just even thinking about, hey, I, we haven't been intimate. You know, it's just easier to to lay on the couch and mindlessly scroll through through our social media feed. Um, and it, these things take work, you know, working on your relationship. It doesn't even have to lead to sex, but but just intimacy and, and being with your partner. Um, it, so, it, yeah, it's just and I, I think that's just going to increasingly technology is, is going to be taking away from uh our relationships as, as this distraction. So, so I know. Yeah, you're right. And there's sort of, there's sort of time sucks. You know, you, you open up Facebook and an hour later you look up or you turn on the TV and you've gone through two hours of something you maybe wouldn't have chosen to even watch. Um, So it does, it takes a real intention and awareness to create the space again, you know, for your partner and for your relationship. And I would assume that with that distraction, it can lead into the third pitfall, which is ne- neglect. So not feeling like your partner's paying attention to you because they're constantly either on their phone or distracted with something else. Yeah, yeah, it does lead right in. And so, some there is some overlap between these things because that sort of complacency or neglect for your relationship, it's not because we choose it, right? It's because we've sort of slid into it. We're not really paying attention. Um, so, or, or it feels like we can put sex or our relationship at the bottom of the list, right? Other things like, you know, I got to do the dishes and of course the kids matter and, and I've got to write that email and somehow a willingness to sort of always put it at the bottom. And I'll, I'll get it around to that when I have a little bit more time, but of course that doesn't really happen. <laughs> so, um, and I'll, you know, I'll say to clients all the time, it's like your life, it's not like your life is sitting there with 30 empty minutes waiting for something to put in there. You know, like something else is going to have to give if you're going to start to prioritize your relationship. What do you, what's your opinion on like scheduling, like time for intimacy or for your sex life? Is that, it seems so unromantic, but we've also heard that it can be good. So what's your, what's your opinion on that? My personal opinion on that is to, it's fabulous to schedule the opportunity for intimacy. So I, I talk to my clients a lot about can, think about sex like it's going to the playground. Okay. What matters is the outing, not what you do once you get there. Right. Nothing says we have to go down the slide. We could sit on a bench or we could swing a little. We can, once we get there, we can decide, you know, how long we want to spend. So to schedule those trips to the playground, I think is really useful. It, you know, especially if you've got children and two people working. So if life is full, you know, schedule it. And then if you get other spontaneous times, you know, great. But most of the people, at least with people I'm talking to that come into therapy, that, you know, that's not happening. This is at the bottom of the list and they've got to try to make something happen that's different. So if people are struggling with it, I think scheduling is great. If it's important to you, you have to make the time. You can find the time. And, you know, obviously some people, if you have kids, like we now have a two-year-old, Definitely time, it's a lot harder. But we also spend time mm-hmm. doing things that, that, you know, 
we're wasting, you know, like I said, I, I'm guilty as anyone of being in my cell phone and look up and I just wasted 30 minutes. And it's like that not even 30 minutes that we could have been having sex, but like that's 30 minutes. I could have been paying attention to my daughter. Um, I think really, right, right. it's about presence and, and mindfulness and just being aware of like, you might be happy. You might not even think sex is a problem in your relationship, but then because we're so busy and we're so distracted where if you just you we become complacent like you like you said for this third yeah, yeah. Uh, thing and 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 then but just our listeners hearing this now you know take that time to examine and it, not even the the intimate part of your relationship but maybe it's something else uh, for me it was I, I was super stressed out in the beginning of january and sarah did bring it to my attention and i wasn't being super nice i wasn't i wasn't mm. i was taking that stress home and, and, and expressing that towards Sarah. And, and so it, and I didn't even really realize it until she told me and I'm like, Oh yeah, like I have, I have been uptight. And, and so just taking that time to, to really be introspective and, and oftentimes it can be the intimate part of your relationship. Cause I, I feel like that's probably one of the first areas is it's just like, all right, let's table this <laughs> or not even. And it's just like, right. we don't have time. We don't have energy. Um, so yeah, it's great to be present and, and just take that pause. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've heard this said in various ways, but th there's a difference between what we say is important to us and what is demonstrated by our choices, you know? So you might say your, your marriage or relationship is really important, but where, where does it show up on your schedule? Where does it show up and where you put your actual energy and time, right? So for a lot of people, they say their marriage is the most important thing to them, but it's sort of at the bottom in terms of effort, you know, so those are misaligned. And so it's, I do think it's worth sometimes even tracking your time to see where you put it. Does that align with what you say is important? That's a great point. And I think, uh, I don't know if I'm misquoting someone, but... Uh... I don't know who I'm misquoting, so I'll go for it. But it's uh, it's it's consciousness is a burden, and I think uh, someone said it on this show. But it it's hard to to be conscious, and and it's much easier yeah. to sort of float through life and and watch your Netflix and and be in your phone, and you're happy in your relationship, or at least you think you are, and and it's a lot harder to, to do the hard work and, and to really look at things and say, how can we make this better or, or, or express the, your, your frustration even to, to your partner, because sometimes it's easier. You might think it is to just not say anything because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, so, right. But in the end, it's, it's you're not going to be as happy as you could be. So it is, it might feel like a burden, but it's one worth undertaking. Yeah, and I was thinking when you were sharing that story about being stressed in January, you know, what a gift it is that you've got Sarah who's willing to come bring that to your attention. Right? Exactly. That's not complacent. That's a true partner, you know, who's willing to sort of hold you accountable and communicate. And I guess that would be the invitation for the listeners if they're struggling in their sex life. The reason to take the trouble to bring it up and address it, even though it's hard, is because that's what a good partner does. You know, we bring it to the attention of the other person so that you guys can, we can work on it and decades don't go by, you know, before you sort of have to address it. But I will say that I'm fortunate too, that when I talk to Chase and I tell him these things, I know that he'll take it and not react, you know, and get upset or defensive yeah. and he really will, 
you know, examine himself and um, want to work on his issue. So I feel, you know, as as much as he's thankful that I I bring it to his attention, I'm thankful that he's well received when I have, you know, when I tell him those things. Yeah, absolutely. It's what's um, what's known as a collaborative alliance. You know, where you can confront yourself and you can confront your partner as necessary, and you both are doing that with a spirit of of teamwork and openness, you know, really wanting to improve. And, you know, not, you're right. Not everybody has that for sure. And that's, you know, and that's part of where people might go into a therapy uh, setting, you know, and have a third party that can help them develop the the skills for that and the tolerance for that. Yeah. And, and we're not perfect at all. Like <laughs> there are many times where, <laughs> oh, you know, on. we go and, you know, I do tell him or he tells me and it doesn't have, we don't have that same reaction. I do get defensive. <laughs> right. We do, right. you I know. Have, we we just want to put that out there for our listeners yeah. because we don't want to make it seem like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we do, always do it right because we don't. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely, I mean, this is a life's work, right? Growing in our ability uh, to be in relationship. And I, I, I actually think it's in relationship we do our growing and our work, right? That's, it is challenging, um, but it's so rewarding. Exactly. Yeah. It's a reflection back on yourself. If I'm just walking around by myself, it's hard to learn a lot about myself. But then if I'm interacting with my wife every day and I'm like, hey, I, I turn into a real jerk when I'm stressed out uh, sometimes. And, you know, that's how we learn about ourselves. And that is the beauty of relationships because hopefully you're doing that together and, and the, your partner's yeah. learning about themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really great beautiful stuff. Uh, let's talk about the next area that is one that I think uh, is probably, uh, they, they all seem like that they can be big parts of uh, the reason that that the sex life uh, goes down in a relationship, but that's desire. So I imagine you can have mismatched desire or you just have no desire from either side. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. So many therapists recommend mindfulness as a way to have a better connection and more passionate and loving relationship with your partner. And one of the ways to achieve this is through yoga and meditation. Yoga Glow is a yoga and meditation website that you can use anywhere. You can practice in your own space on your own time for just $18 a month. That's less than a single class at most yoga studios. They have thousands of classes at all levels taught by some of the best teachers in the world. Yoga is more than just touching your toes and stretching. Yoga brings balance it's empowering, it offers a peaceful state of mind, and it helps eliminate stress you carry with you throughout your day. I need to do it more. I know <laughs> I get caught up and I usually do it every morning, but Yoga Glow, I've done it the last couple mornings and it's really helped me stay on a schedule. Not to mention research shows how mindfulness significantly benefits our relationships. Get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash I do. That's yoga, G-L-O.com slash I do for two weeks free. Yogaglow.com slash I do. Today's show is also brought to you by the book Lovelands. 
Lovelands, which is written by a past guest on our show in psychologist Dr. Deborah Campbell, is an easy-to-read guide to creating the relationship in life you most deeply desire. If you've ever wondered why you keep struggling with love and want to make lasting change for the better, Lovelands will show you how to make that change, not just in your relationship, but in every area of your life. I'm deep in the middle of the book right now, and it's eye-opening. Deborah's wisdom from her own love mistakes, as well as her client struggles, has helped me examine myself and has allowed me to become even more aware of the reasons I get defensive or have poor communication or continue unhelpful patterns. Deborah really just tackles what's at the core of diverse relationship problems and simply tells us what helps and what doesn't. Lovelands is available in hardcover on Amazon and audible.com. Visit idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands to buy your copy today. That's idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, talking about what, what's called desire discrepancy, that mismatched desire is probably a whole episode in itself. Um, but over time, People can struggle to have access to sexual desire, right? Whether, I mean, people can get in a rut in the way that they have sex, right? It's the same routine. Um, they can stop infusing it with any energy or investment. You know, they stop trying to make it romantic or hot at all. Um, if people have not really figured out what they like, you know, and what turns them on, if they've never done that work, like, you know, in the early stage of a relationship, there tends to be a lot of passion. There's all that novelty and newness and, you know, you're sort of in a honeymoon phase. But if you've never gotten past that to figure out, you know, what you really like and figure out how to communicate that to a partner, you know, it's going to lose steam. Um, and sometimes people end up, you know, fighting about how often they're having sex or they're fighting about their desire discrepancies. Uh, Another sign of a problem is where one person is doing all of the initiating, you know, so they've gotten sort of uh, polarized on that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes up around desire that can be a problem. Let's talk about the best way to to navigate a situation where one partner is frustrated with the frequency of sex, because I feel like that would be a increasingly difficult one uh, to deal with and, and probably pretty common. Yeah, it's, oh, it's really common. Well, and actually, you know why it's common? Because in every single relationship, one person wants more sex than the other person, at least over time, maybe not in the beginning. Yep. So, and people don't understand that that's normal, right? They think that's a problem in itself, but that's, that's normal. Somebody wants more sex than the other person. The problem is when you don't handle those roles very well, right? So the, the person that wants more sex, if it's a problem, is feeling rejected, right? They're taking it personally. If, it's, if I'm not a good lover, I'm not desirable or, you know, something like that. So then sex takes on this extra meaning of proving to me that I'm actually okay, you know, except that that's not very sexy. <laughs> so that feeds the, the problem, right? Um, the person that wants sex less feels pressure, right? Because, and it's not because the other person is pressuring them. It's because there's a difference in desire and it creates pressure kind of inherently. Uh, so that person's trap is to just be so aware of the pressure that it shuts them down. And often they kind of feel 
uh, broken or inadequate. Like, what's wrong? Why don't I have a sex drive or something like that? And both people are probably pathologizing each other. Like, what's wrong with you that all you think about is sex? You know, and what's wrong with you that you don't have a sex drive? So that's sort of how people get so caught in it, right? So part of the way to deal with it is, first of all, to recognize that every relationship has somebody who wants sex more than the other person and to try to disentangle how personal this feels. And so the the person that wants more sex needs to not take it personally and get to a place where they can advocate for what they want. And the person that wants less sex has to get honest about what's not been working for them, maybe with sex and what it is they want and take a really active role in trying to create a sex life that would engage them. You know, so they've got to find a way to collaborate in this instead of be pulling on each other. I will say as, as a guy and, and it could be vice versa too, but is opening up that communication. And, and oftentimes I feel like I, I want to have sex more often than Sarah and my Mm -hmm. initial sort of response is I, I, if she doesn't, then I I do feel rejected, but then finally asking her, like, what is it that will make you want to do it more so we can find a compromise? And, and this is something that I want to work on, not just so that I can have pleasure, but so that, because it's also, it's going to make her happy is um, understanding her, her love language. And we've talked about this on the show before, and it's pretty common, but understanding how your partner receives love and, and Sarah in particular likes, likes gifts and words of affirmation. So if I'm not doing that, it's not going to make her, it's definitely not going to increase her sex drive, right? Like it's not going to make her like me more if I'm, if I'm not, showing her love in the ways that she receives love. So certainly it couldn't hurt if I was doing that. Not not only will it make her happier and just for that reason, it's good. I'm not saying I need to hack the system and I'm going to trick Sarah into having sex with me more, <laughs> but that would be a nice, yeah. that would be a nice side benefit. But, but ultimately it's about being happier in, in our relationship. And I think that's something that I don't want to categorize like guy, cause we've heard more recently that it's actually, um, women that are, are not wanting to do it more frequently, but because, because of pornography and, and that guys are not having sex as much as, uh, they're having sex with themselves a little bit too much. So, so, but well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yes, that can happen. But in my practice, and again, I'm seeing people that are struggling, right. And willing to come into therapy. So it's, I can't generalize it completely, but I would say roughly half the couples I see, it's the woman who wants more sex. I mean, a heterosexual yeah. couple yeah. than the guy. And it's not just because he's masturbating to porn. It's like, um, it's just not quite the stereotype that it's always, you know, men with testosterone that want sex more. So it can be, it can be either person in that role. And, and you're right that you don't just want, the answer is not to get the person that doesn't want sex as much to have more sex. The answer is tr- to try to have them want more sex. Like what's in the way of them having as much desire as they might have. And another thing that's coming to mind as we're talking is one of the tools in this is sort of back to the playground idea. It's not sex or not sex or yes or no. There needs to be this maybe, right? Because part of what happens 
not 100%, but for the, the person that wants sex less may have something that's called a responsive sex drive. Right, So some people have a proactive sex drive. They think about sex. They get horny. They want to seek it out. They want to make it happen, right? The other person, you know, frequently has a responsive drive, which means they have to get into an encounter, right? They've got to start. They've got to get touched and kissed, and then their body starts to respond, and then they get turned on, and, oh, now I want sex, right? But that, for that to happen, there has to be the opportunity, Right? There has to be a willingness to go, to go to the playground and just start. But it can't be perceived by either person as a commitment or an obligation. Right? It can't be all or nothing or like, oh, my gosh, if I do this, I'm committed. It's got to be this room of maybe where let's go play and see what happens. And sometimes the engine turns over, sometimes it doesn't, and that that's going to be okay. So that kind of a flexibility is, is crucial in solving those kinds of problems. And when you're you know going over that responsive sex drive, I feel like I'm personally like relating to that. And I don't know if that's how I've always been or just since having Stella, our daughter, you know, my sex drive and my hormones have, have changed a lot in the last two years. Um, and it's kind of hard for me to remember like pre baby, like, (laughs) like what things were, but, but like, I think that, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's something that, I mean, I've never really heard about before. And I think if our listeners can relate to that, like that's, that can be huge to just kind of go into a situation like you're saying, like, let's just go to the playground and see what happens for both people in the relationship to kind of get that, that that's where that person's coming from. I think that could be really big game changer. It is. It is a game changer. And, you know, some people have got sort of that responsive drive forever, right? From the very beginning. Um, sometimes we go in and out of it based on life circumstances. So you might be feeling more that way after the baby, not just the hormonal and physical changes, but just your bandwidth, right? And what you're thinking about. And then all of us tend to go more that way as we get older. Um, So having the awareness that somebody might have responsive drive and you, you have to create is the opportunity for it to emerge, but it's crucial, not the expectation that it will. Because it's not safe to go to the playground, you know, if you have to go down the slide. There has to be a way for both people to let it, you know, turn into whatever it's going to turn into and be okay. And that takes, you know, that can take practice. And can you say that one more time for our listeners? You said create the blank, not the expectation. What was that word? I, I'm trying to write that down well, in my notes. I think what I said, <laughs> you're trying to create the opportunity. Opportunity, yeah. That's... But without an expectation, yeah. right? So let's go in there and see what happens. But it may not catch you know you might go in there and kiss and make out and do all this stuff and it's like you know it just it just isn't happening for me I'm not not getting turned on I, I, I can't get there if that's not okay with both people or you don't have some other way to handle the situation what I call other endings um then that's going to be a dangerous space to go into right that's why a lot of people avoid you know they won't even kiss their partner because they're afraid of starting something that they don't know that they can finish and before we go to the last area I just want to reiterate and because it was personally kind of a revelation toward me is that if you're not happy with the frequency don't look at your partner and say you know they don't want to have sex enough and they need to work on it like I said with understanding Sarah's love languages and I still need to do a better job of constantly reminding myself to to be proactive and but that there's a lot that you can do. Don't don't just say oh, I'm frustrated and they need to work on it and and, and figure out how how they can have uh, 
a higher sex drive, oftentimes it's going to come from you and, and take it into yeah. your own hands. Absolutely. And there's, there is no level of desire that is right or wrong or better than another. And so it's not like the person with more desire is somehow more evolved or better and the other one is broken or inadequate. It's like whatever level you have, you have. So it's how are you going to collaborate with your partner to have a sex life that you can both feel really good about, you know, and be engaged in instead of fighting about it or having tension. Yeah. And, and certainly biologically, you are going to have like your hormones and everything. You're going to have a standard sex drive. But if you are a- appealing to your partner more by listening to them, communicating better, understanding their love language, that biological sex drive is going to go up. You're going to release more oxytocin in, in the chemicals. And, and so like your biology will change and you'll, your partner will probably want to have sex more because they feel closer and more intimate with you. Yeah. Or they'll have sex. Um, even if your biology doesn't change, you know, there's other reasons to have sex than just because you're horny, right? There's, there's an openness to connecting and being intimate with somebody in a way that might be different. And, and you'll have more access to that. If you're feeling like your needs are met and you're feeling, you know, respected and honored and, and then with the awareness of a responsive sex drive, too, to realize, wow, yeah, once I get going, you know, a fair amount of the time, I actually get into it. I just, I need the openness to want to start. Exactly. Well, um, let's talk about the last area uh, that can be a pitfall in sex life, and that is negativity or hostility. Yeah. <laughs> so in some ways, you know, we've alluded to some of this, but if if you're fighting about sex, um, I mean, some of this, some of the stuff I see again, this is couples that are coming into therapy, right? So some of them have gotten to a kind of a bad place, but it's possible to be just sort of going through the motions in sex and not even trying, right? Or having sex out of a sense of obligation instead of a true openness to connecting with your partner. Um, And sometimes it gets as bad as somebody's threatening to cheat or to leave or um, shaming the other person or criticizing or um, doing things that they know the other person doesn't like. You know, it's gotten almost passive aggressive. Um, those are the kinds of things that tell you, well, you've got some some real negativity between you that's developed at this point over the sexual issues or over other things that are showing up in sex. It seems like if it gets to that point, then things are are pretty bad. Like you're not in a, yeah. a good spot. And and uh, besides, you know, definitely we we always recommend seeing a, a counselor or therapist talking together or individually, but if you can get both get in there, that's going to be great. Are there any things outside of that, that, that someone can do to break that pattern of negativity? Well, the biggest thing would be to confront yourself about what you are doing that's negative or hurtful. You know, what's your contribution to the cycle that you found yourself in and, and hold yourself accountable to that. And stop. Now, it's it's not necessarily easy to do without a therapist or depending on the situation, but you're not going to be able to control your partner's part of it. So again, all you can do is look to your own your own part of what's been going on and and refuse to behave that way. Well, Jessa, the, all of these five tips are really valuable, and we'll give our listeners and ourselves something to to examine and and see how we can improve. And before we finish up, um, want to ask you, is there any one particular thing? It doesn't have to be related to these pitfalls, but just 
let's say we have a, we're, we're happy together. We have, we think we have a good sex life. Is there one particular thing that we can do to, to improve our sex life that, that you think, uh, would be most beneficial to, to most relationships? Um, well, I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably say schedule some sort of regular um, relationship check-in. You know, whether it's going to be quarterly or twice a year or something like that, where you, where you sit down and evaluate, how am I really feeling about how this is going? Is there anything I'd want to be different? Is there something I should bring up? Or are we doing really great? And, you know, bring your feedback and be really open to your partners. Because it can be easy to sort of skate along and a bunch of time goes by and it's like, oh, we lost ground and we weren't even really paying attention. That is a great one. And Sarah and I tend to do that, but I think it would be even better if we kind of stayed on top of it. So we were doing it like, I don't know, once a month. Like Put it on the calendar. Yeah, we'll put it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put, put it on your calendar with an alarm and schedule it. You know, if you can, um, you know, go go someplace up maybe out of your house or I don't know, make a, an event or something, go to dinner. Or, yeah. Uh, Sarah's the organizer. Or walk one. on the beach or something. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Oh, well, Jessa, thank you so much for all the information you've given us and our listeners. So why don't we finish up by having you tell us where we can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Well, my website is jessazimmerman.com. And I just will mention that I do have a quiz on the website about these five things, a 30 question quiz that can give people an idea of sort of how they rate in these different areas. And then it's followed up with actual tips about what to do in any areas that you might be struggling in. Perfect. Well, we'll be sure to link to that on your show notes page on idpodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all the links and all the resources from today's interview. So thanks again so much for coming on. And uh, we'll have to have you back to dig even deeper into some of these different areas. Great. I would love that. Thanks so much. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find the links from today's show on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on the website, we encourage that you check out some of the free resources that we've created for you guys. One of those is the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. And we send you a email every day for 14 days with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And we've also created cheat sheets and workbooks for your relationship. And you can find all of those on our website. And lastly, our Facebook group, which is the Love Tribe. We encourage all of you guys to join our group there as well. And if you ever have any topic suggestions or ideas for the podcast, please send them our way. You can email us at info at idopodcast.com and we would love to hear from you guys. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com